0: Welcome to Lessons for Living. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Earlier this year, an article appeared in Maclean's magazine that was entitled, What Canadians Really Believe, a Surprising Poll. Well, the article started by saying, religion in Canada isn't declining nearly as fast as we think. A remarkable new survey finds out what Canadians really believe. Now, the article's author was Aaron Hutchins, Mr. Hutchins says that previous predictions of the decline of religion in Canada may have been wrong. University of Lethbridge sociologist and pollster Reginald Biddy had painted a rather dreary picture of where religion would be in Canada in 2015. He said congregations getting older, young people not being socialized into a faith, just a steady downward decline. He even takes a jab at us Toronto Maple Leafs fans when he said, even with the Toronto Maple Leafs, there's hope for a better next year. But as far as religion in Canada, it was pretty much over. Well, in 2015, Biddy decided to revisit his predictions. and He discovered that for many religious groups, his predictions were wrong. Biddy commented that he had not allowed for the immigration variable. The thing that pumps new life into religion in Canada has been this mammoth entrance, not only Muslims, but also Catholics, not to mention the Protestants, Sikhs, and Hindus. Now, while it's true that 26% of Canadians are inclined to reject religion, a solid segment, some 30%, embrace religion, with. 44% of the population saying that they're somewhere in between. Now, speaking of those religiously inclined, more than half attend a service at least once a month, while almost 9 of 10 pray privately on a regular basis. Now, Biddy also found that among those born outside of Canada, almost 40% are inclined to embrace religion, while less than 25% reject it. Now compare that to those born in Canada where the figures are leveling out. 29% embracing religion, 27% rejecting it. In effect, religion in Canada has found its saviors. Immigrants. Now, when it comes to youth and religion, well, the news is not good at all. Among Canadian-born, those older than 55 are more likely to embrace religion than the younger generations. The exact opposite is the case for those born outside of Canada. According to an Angus Reid Institute survey, 63% of those who reject religion said they feel, generally speaking, uncomfortable around people who are religiously devout. Conversely, more than two in five people who embraced religion Admitted to feeling uncomfortable around people who had no use for it. The largest group of Canadians, nearly half, categorize themselves ambivalently between embracing and rejecting faith. Most, he says, have moved out of the religious ranks. Biddy says, if anything, they still feel a lot of affinity for religious groups. Still, that doesn't mean they are knowledgeable about religion. Broadly speaking, religious literacy amongst Canadians has declined dramatically. 20 years ago, about half of the Canadian population could name the apostle who denied Jesus three times, while almost 60% of the population could name the first book in the Old Testament. As of this year, Those percentages have declined to 31 and 42% respectively. Well, the answers are Peter and Genesis, by the way. The numbers are troubling to me because it says that more and more we're turning our backs on the Bible and Christianity. So where will we go to get the answers to the really big questions in life? Where should we not go? See, the first thing one must understand is that Christianity is not a set of beliefs to be embraced or adopted or a creed to be followed. Christianity is a person who walked upon this world and his name is Jesus. I want to share with you an interesting encounter Jesus had with a rather skeptical young man. It's found in John chapter 1, Beginning at verse 43, the next day, he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip, and Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Uh, You will see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Philip has found the Messiah, and no sooner does he make that discovery, but he's off running to tell his friend Nathaniel. Nathaniel was a young man, a skeptical young man. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. This kind of attitude is characteristic of the human race. You see, Nathaniel just could not believe that someone from that neighborhood had the answer to life's most perplexing questions. Impossible. Impossible. Now, if I'm going to be honest with you today, there are some, maybe many, that have that same view of Christianity. I mean, many people come to me, they say, Bill, I've tried it, it's just not for me. I'm happy that it works for you, but it's just not for me. And I respect that, I understand that. But I also know that behind much of those public assertions of skepticism is a lot of covert spiritual searching. Why? Well, because underneath... We all have exactly the same questions, and we want answers, and millions have found those answers in their Christian faith. Nathanael, despite his belief that anything good could come out of Nazareth, went with Philip to see Jesus. Why? Maybe Nathanael was not satisfied with the answers he had obtained thus far in his life, and Maybe he was not happy with his current spiritual condition. Whatever the reason, he went to Jesus. And I'm telling you, many are in that same situation today. The answers that respected schools and books have provided you have not completely satisfied. And maybe you too, like Nathaniel, want to investigate Jesus. I can't prove to you that Christianity is true, but I can show you there are sound reasons to believe in Jesus. Now, I know when I say that, some watching will roll their eyes. Many people view Christianity like Nathaniel viewed Nazareth. To them, Christianity is from Nazareth. Been there, done that, it's not for me. (laughs) You know, President Ronald Reagan once said, meaning no disrespect to the religious convictions of others, I still can't help wondering how we can explain away what to me is the greatest miracle of all and which is recorded in history. No one denies there was such a man that he lived and that he was put to death by crucifixion. Where is the miracle I spoke of? Well, consider this and let your imagination translate the story into our own time, possibly to your own hometown. A young man whose father is a carpenter grows up working in his father's shop. One day, he puts down his tools, walks out of his father's shop. He starts preaching on the street corners and in the nearby countryside, walking from place to place, preaching all the while, even though he is not an ordained minister. He does this for three years. Then he's arrested, tried, and convicted. There is no court of appeal, so he is executed at age 33 along with two common thieves. Those in charge of his execution roll dice to see who gets his clothing, the only possession he has. His family cannot afford a burial place for him, so he is interred in a borrowed tomb. End of story? No. No. This uneducated, properlyless young man who left no written word has for more than 2,000 years had a greater effect on the world than all the rulers, kings, emperors, all the conquerors, generals, and admirals, all the scholars, scientists, and philosophers who have ever lived, all of them put together. How do you explain that? Unless he really was who he said he was. You see, we have only one message, that is Christ. We pastors, we tell people they can have a relationship with Christ, and in that relationship with him, they will receive everything they need, all spiritual blessings, and yet, sometimes in the name of Christianity, people are told all kinds of things, promised all kinds of things, sold all kinds of things, and in the middle somewhere is a significantly diminished Christ, Anything that diminishes Jesus Christ is a false gospel. To understand the centrality of Christ, you could go about anywhere in the New Testament. But I want you to look with me at Paul's letter to the Colossians. This entire letter, I think, assumes that this church was being beleaguered by people who were trying to convince them that Christ was not enough, that Christ was not sufficient, that they needed more because this entire letter pounds home the theme of Christ's complete sufficiency. Colossians 2.2 ends making reference to Christ. And then in verses 3 and 4, it says this, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. Now, apparently the Colossians had been told that there was a lot more needed than just Jesus Christ. Something beyond Christ was necessary. There was some insufficiency in Christ, and this prompts the Apostle Paul to write these words. The insufficiencies in Christ, they would say, could be made up by philosophy or human wisdom. Though this is a long time ago, this was written a long, long time ago, nothing has really changed. There are people today who tell us that Christ is not enough. We need more than Christ, more than all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are found in Jesus. Many will say we need Christ plus philosophy. We need Christ plus human wisdom. We need Christ plus something else. He is not enough. And the Apostle Paul warns them that they must understand that all they need, all you and I need, is Jesus Christ. You see, what makes Christianity different from every religion is this. Every other religion says, if you want to find God, if you want to improve yourself, if you want to have a higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it, you have to do something. You have to gather your strength. You have to follow the rules. You have to free your mind. Then you have to fill your mind. You have to be above average. Every other religion of human philosophy says if you want to make the world right or make yourself right, then summon all your reason and strength and live in a certain way. Christianity says the exact opposite. Every other religion and philosophy says you have to do something to connect to God, but Christianity says no, Jesus Christ came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Every other religion says here are the answers to the big questions, but Christianity says Jesus is the answer to them all. So many systems of thought appeal to successful, strong people because they play directly into their belief that if you are strong and hardworking, you will prevail. But Christianity, it's not just for the strong. It's for everyone, especially those who admit that they're weak. Listen, I go to church for no more reason than I would go to a hospital because I'm sick. Christianity is for people who have that particular kind of strength to admit that their flaws are not superficial, but heart flaws, and that you and I are totally incapable of remedying the situation. Christianity is for those who can see that they need a Savior, that they need Jesus Christ. Their dying on the cross to put them right with God. Think about it. I know it's counterintuitive. The very essence of Christianity is not about what I have to do to find God. Christianity is about God coming to earth in the form of Jesus dying on a cross to find me. This is one of the dominant themes that is the essence of the scriptures from the very first book of the Bible. We hear God say, Adam, where art thou? right to the very last book when he says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let me speak just for a moment to those who are believers. You know, we split hairs over doctrine. We want to know everything about nothing, and I'm going to tell you Something. What we need to know first and foremost is that God loves the world. And what the world is dying for and what the world is calling for and what the world needs most of all is the fact that in our tangled situation, God loves us and he's standing beside us waiting for us to turn around. And God's hand is reaching out with that everlasting hand and his everlasting arms. He wants to put them around us and about us AND WHEN WE NEED HIM THE MOST, GOD IS LOVE, THE BIBLE SAYS. PROBABLY THE MOST FAMOUS BIBLICAL STORY EVER TOLD. IT'S FOUND IN THE GOSPEL OF LUKE CHAPTER 15. WE CALL IT THE STORY OF THE PRODIGAL SON. FOR ME, I LIKE TO THINK OF IT IN THE TERMS OF A WAITING FATHER. BECAUSE FOR ME, IT SPEAKS TO WHAT GOD IS LIKE. For me, what makes this story so real, what makes this story so dynamic, what makes this story so unforgettable is not a boy who goes away from his father's house, it's not a boy who squanders his inheritance, it's not a boy who winds up in a pig pen. To me, that's not the story at all. To me, the story is the father who waits patiently for the moment, waiting patiently and loving deeply with great devotion, waiting for his son to return. You see, to me, it's the story of the father behind the story of the prodigal son, the story of a loving home, the story of a loving God, the story of a loving father waiting for the moment That boy would wake up, come to his senses and come home and his father would be there waiting for him. This is the story. It is to me. This to me is what it is to understand Christianity. We need to understand the love of God. You and I in this generation of heartlessness, in this generation of hate, in this generation of gossip and criticism, We need to know and to understand the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, God seeks us He pursues us. He follows after us. He suffers with us, living in our living, loving in our desperation. He has identified with us in our condition, and he puts his arms around us, and he loves us, even though you and I are polluted by sin. Here is the truth. I want you to listen to me. You who seek life outside of his life you who seek love outside of his love, you who seek power outside of his power, like the prodigal son, you will only find impoverishment outside the love of the father. Call it sentimentalism, call it emotionalism, call it whatever you want. I call it the love of God. You see, Here is the great heart of the whole matter. Here is the message of the Gospels, the message of the Bible. Here is Christianity wrapped up in one single word, love. He who could crush us stoops to redeem us. He puts his arms around us and he restores us. And he says, bring a cloak for him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. My son was lost, but now is found. He was dead, but now he is alive. That's the message to the whole world. Dead in sin and trespasses, you can live again. You can walk in the presence of God again. You can be saved and restored again. That is the message of God for you today. You see, the story of the prodigal son is the story of the clean arms of the father around the body of a defiled son. I know this because I've experienced this in my own life. God reaching his clean, loving arms around a wretched sinner like me. You can't escape this kind of love. You can't run away from it. The story says the father ran he ran to meet his boy. He recognizes his boy in defilement. He sees not some nameless squeegee kid, someone we would try to avoid. The father doesn't try to avoid him. He looks and he sees and he recognizes him. This is my son. It doesn't matter that he was broken, it doesn't matter that he was shabby, it doesn't matter that he was smelly and dirty. He is my son. The father sees through all the grime and all the dirt and he sees this beautiful son. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, God died for us. You see, God's love overcomes our lust. It overcomes our failures. It overcomes our shortcomings. Love will overcome our loneliness. It overcomes our sin. That is what God is like. If you make your bed in hell, he will be there. And when you turn around, he's going to be there to take you, to accept you, and to love you. Don't be like Nathaniel. Don't let a conviction that Christianity is simply outdated or intellectually unsophisticated blind you to what it has to offer. Most spiritual seekers that I have encountered... Start their search afraid of disappointment. But let me tell you, Jesus will always exceed your expectations. He will be more than you ever expected or even imagined. So come with Nathaniel. Come. Come be ready to have your priorities and categories change. Whatever you are expecting, whatever you are dreaming, whatever you are hoping, you will find something much greater in Jesus Christ. I promise you that. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to demonstrate your goodness and your love and for dying on the cross for us. I pray that if anyone has not accepted the gift of Jesus and the assurance of eternal life, may they accept it now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's program and like to download it, you can visit our website, l4ltv.com, and you can get a copy of it. You can also get a copy of a transcript of today's program. If you prefer, you can call our 1-800 number and speak to one of our volunteers. Here's the information you need to get your copy of today's program. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, wwwl 4 ltvcom There you will find the links to download a video and transcript of this program. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe-Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 083. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of our program. I wanna thank you for allowing us this opportunity to come into your home and to spend this half hour um, with you. You can always visit our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, if you put in your address, I will identify for you on the website the closest Bible study group to where you live. Now, why are we doing that? We believe that as Christians, as anyone, we need to be grounded in God's Word. Now, you may not be a be be a believer, but I know that when you immerse yourself in the study of God's Word, you're going to see that this book, the Bible, provides great answers to some of life's most perplexing questions. So I've identified across the country those locations that I feel are the best for Bible study. They may not be the flashiest churches, but they are the best instructors of God's word. So go to the website L4LTV.com, put in your address, that group will come up. If you are in the GTA, in the greater Toronto area, you want to come and visit me at my church, the Harmony Adventist Church, 89 Center Avenue, see the website, it'll tell you when I'm speaking there, why not come out and visit us? If you'd like to send a prayer request, you can do that on the website. If you prefer to speak to one of our volunteers, we'll dial our 1-800 number. You know, you can share a prayer request with them, you can ask them to set you up on Bible study, You can ask for some resources for your spiritual library. We're going to do the best that we can to try to help you better understand God's word and better get to know Jesus Christ and what he has come to do for you. If you're watching us in Alberta, the same thing goes for you there. This ministry is not about making anyone famous. It's not about making anyone any money. It's a ministry of love. Many, many people across the country have given sacrificially so that this ministry could go forward. If you feel the Holy Spirit impressing upon you to help us donate, visit the website, l4ltv.com. And on the website, you too can add your name and your donations to the hundreds of others that have done so already that allow us to keep this program on the air each and every week. Remember the website? visit our Facebook page l4ltv.com Facebook page, like us on Facebook. You want to follow me on Twitter you can at santos underscore bill. I will be at my church, the Harmony Church over the next couple of weeks. Why not come out and join us? We get started at 10 o'clock for Bible study and then at 11:30 for our worship service. I hope you will join us. I look forward to being back with you real soon again. Until then, may God bless you. See you next time.